Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap. Here's the pitch. A Now it's time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to episode number 109 of Brewers on Tap. Lane Grindle with you from Maryville Baseball Park. This will be our final episode of the podcast from Arizona, as uh, the next time we talk to you, we'll actually be in San Diego getting ready for opening day for the 2018 season. How exciting is that? That's going to be fun. Just eight days away from the opener, but more on that coming up. It's been a busy week here in Phoenix as the Brewers broke ground on what will be a newly renovated Maryville Baseball Park by the start of the 2019 spring training. You've heard us talk about this. We've been bringing it to you and the news on this over the course of the entire offseason. Dignitaries from the city of Phoenix, the Brewers, the architectural firm, HKS, along with the construction company Mortensen, all came together behind home plate on Tuesday to commemorate this event. The new facility is going to put Maryville Baseball Park among the best in baseball in terms of facilities. It's going to be exciting, and if you haven't seen the renderings, I encourage you to go check them out. You can check them out at Brewers.com. You can do a quick Google search for Maryville Baseball Park and the renderings of what it's going to look like. It's going to be a tremendous facility when it's all said and done. I told you, opening day just eight days away, and still some roster questions for the Brewers. The crew still deciding on the final few spots in the rotation with a strong chance that they may only have four starting pitchers on the opening day roster due to not needing a fifth until the second time through since there is that off day after the opening series in San Diego. Uh, The final spot or two in the bullpen also appears to still be up for grabs for the crew as well. We'll get more on that with Adam McCalvey of MLB.com in just a few moments. Going into Wednesday's action in Maryville Baseball Park against the A's and then Wednesday night's game in Peoria against the Mariners, Brewers leading the Cactus League with one-and-a-half game cushion over the Indians and have the best spring training record in the National League, leading the Cubs by two games currently. Bunch of Brewers have had big springs, but center fielder Lorenzo Cain may be having the biggest one. He's hitting an even 500 going into Wednesday's action. Meanwhile, Christian Yelich has warmed up this week. He smacked his first home run last Sunday. All right, let's uh, break down what this roster could look like with Adam McCalvey of MLB.com. Let's break it down. Adam McCalvey is our guest on Brewers on Tap. We're getting closer and closer to opening day. Um, 
just almost a week away, eight days away at this juncture. And I, I, I want to start with this, Adam, because I, I'm curious to get your take on it. You've been covering this, this team for a long time. And just go back to the last couple of years in specific. More or less drama on what the 25 man's going to look like on opening day? Because I think there's arguments both ways. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think more than at least the last couple of years that come to my mind. I mean, last year to me, the roster was pretty set before camp. This year there were legitimate questions about, and still, I mean, we're one week away from them setting the roster. I don't exactly know who's going to be at the end of the rotation. I don't exactly know who's going to be at the end of the bullpen. Maybe you do, and I'd like to hear it. But um, And I don't know what's going to happen with Jesus Aguilar. So there's a little bit of drama here. Um, the one thing, though, I, I say this every year. We spend all, all our time and energy in spring training trying to figure out the roster and who gets the last bench spot and who gets the last spots in the bullpen because it's fun and it's what spring training is about and you watch guys playing camp battles and all that stuff. And then the season is about Ryan Braun and Travis Shaw and Eric Thames and Chase Anderson and the guys at the front end that we don't spend a lot of energy on in spring training. So sometimes I try to keep that in mind, like, yeah, we're, we're expending a lot of ink on sort of the drama of spring training, and it's fun, and it's great, and it's, you know, everyone's eager to talk baseball. But the stuff that really matters is getting your core guys to opening day healthy, Stephen Vogt went down, but other than that, this has been a successful camp so far. And I would say and point out that each of the last two years, specifically since I've been here with the Brewers, the opening day roster has been different than day two or three. Yeah. Ariel Pena was sent down after day one in 2016, and last year I think Taylor Youngman was sent down. And there's also been outside the organization moves on the off day before the opening day, whether it was Carlos Torres in 2016 or Jared Hughes in 2017. So it is fun. We get caught up in our little bubble here, but there's other stuff going on and, and, and the roster. And that's just the day and age I think we live in in Major League Baseball. Where the roster is going to change a lot over the course of the season. Yeah, the opening day roster is not your team for the season. And that gets lost because, again, there's drama. And, and look, the players are into it, too. It's an honor to stand out there on the foul line for the National Anthem on a Major League Baseball opening day. So it's not insignificant. But the point that David Stearns made to the players uh, in the very first full squad meeting is in each of the last two seasons, they've used 50 players. So it's the opening day roster times two. You need twice as many guys as are going to line up on the foul line at Petco Park in the regular season. And the idea he was trying to impart was, you know, put your best foot forward, do what you need to do to get ready for the season, and then don't be broken if you're not one of those guys that gets picked for that opening day roster. And I think, look, this again is a big uh, reminder for me and, and you and the fans and everybody. The opening day roster is not the end all, even though it feels that way. And that's why it's not as simple as picking the best 25 guys. It's about maintaining as much organizational depth as humanly possible. And just to get into the weeds a little bit, it's why I think they might figure out a way to take only four starters for the first week. You only need four until game eight. It buys you another week with Jesus Aguilar. And it covers you in the event of what you just talked about the last two years where they've had these late camp moves the, the one that really comes to my mind is two years ago in Houston where Corey Knable and Matt Garza both went down in that final exhibition series. And 
depth will come in handy for that. So for everybody like, you know, gnashing their teeth over the fact they haven't set the back end of the rotation and they haven't declared what they're going to do with Jesus Aguilar in the first base situation, that's why. Because they just want to cover, they want to leave themselves as much coverage as possible for something weird happening down the stretch. And it's why I don't think, you know, they're going to make final decisions until the very end. Now, again, one, one exception to that is Wade Miley. As we talk, he's going to take the mound here um, at Maryvale against the A's. And then on tomorrow, on Thursday, they do have to – he has an out. So they have to either tell him he's going to make the team. If they don't give him that assurance, then he can ask for his release. And it sets in motion this 48-hour period where they either can change their mind or actually release him. Um, so there are certain guys who will get word a little earlier. But for some of the other guys, you know, it's – tough for them it's tough for their families but it just unfortunately is going to go right down to the end and I, I think too it's it's a good example of of how this roster has taken big steps forward over the last two years and that the last couple of spots we're talking about feel different than what the last couple of spots were like in 16 and 17 I mean you think about last year Jesus Aguilar hit his way on to the roster and then stayed there which was really pretty remarkable considering what we thought the odds were stacked up against him coming into camp last year and and here he is after a productive season last year and we aren't sure if he's going to be on the roster going forward in 2018 I think the Brewers would love to find a way to keep him as long as they can but um, it may be a challenge just because of the numbers that's that's a testament to how much better this roster at least on paper certainly looks to be uh, in my opinion right now. Yeah, and, and look, it, it, David Stern says this all the time, that as you get better as an organization, it means tougher decisions. And sometimes it means letting good players go, uh, whether that's not being able to protect a guy in your 40-man, you know, a, a Rule 5 eligible guy, or getting to the end of camp and just not having a spot. But I do believe that preserving as much depth as possible is very, very high in his priority list. And I think you look around baseball right now, there's a lot of smart GMs to whom depth is, you know, king. The Dodgers. Think of the Dodgers last year. They looked like a team that had too many good, too many players for too few spots. And yet it works out. I mean, things just, you do your best to get everybody playing time, keep everybody in a good, you know, keep them that, that good feeling at the plate, get them enough at bats. And it's a challenge sometimes, but that's sort of, I think, how GMs are building their teams right now. It is about, you know, and think about the Brewers' rotation. There's a lot of, again, teeth gnashing about them not going out and getting an, a top guy. Um, they're viewing this as depth. They're viewing it as we don't have um, a Max Scherzer, but we have 10 guys who we feel really comfortable giving the ball at various points of the season. And that looks right now like how they're going to cover these innings. Um, and it's, I think, a little different way of looking at building a team than the old days, you know? I mean, look, my dad grew up loving the Milwaukee Braves, and you can still go, he can go around the diamond and name all the players at every position because it was one guy at every position. You had a first baseman. Joe Adcock was your first baseman. Um, now you have this sort of, I mean, there could be three guys this year for the right. Brewers. And 50 years from now, let's say this team does something, I'm wondering how kids are going to look back on this team and remember who was where. Um, it's just sort of a different way of building a team. Yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting. And, and with the starting rotation battle specifically, three of the four guys that really are in contention right now all have options. 
which is going to play into this decision yeah. in one way or another. Wouldn't you agree? I agree, and I didn't. I didn't know Junior Guerra had an option until yeah. midway through camp. I, I don't know if I missed the memo on that or whatever. It, it's a good uh, reminder to read the media guide, which sometimes you get the media guide and you you, you flip know, through it. You know the team. Yeah, I mean Mike Vasala will will enjoy this story because he spent so many hours over the offseason putting that together. But um, yeah, that's. I think that is going to play, and there are. Um, the Cardinals, for example, reading about how they're building their roster. Um, they plan to have a shuttle system, and they have all these bullpen questions. They don't have a closer, and there's worry about what do they have. But they plan to just bring guys back and forth. They have guys with options, so they're going to go back and forth to, what is it, Memphis for them, and have a bunch of guys come up and down. And I, I think for the if we look at the Brewers' starting rotation, you have Brandon Woodruff and Junior Guerra with options. Brent Suter has options. Um, I think there could be some of that happening here, too. And that's why at the start of the year, if I'm guessing how they're going to set this roster, you go with a guy like Wade Miley. You maybe go with a guy like Giovanni Gallardo in the bullpen just to see if you can catch lightning in a bottle there and see if they can give you something. And if they don't give you something, you feel like you have, you know, down at AAA, a couple of guys who you'd be more than comfortable with handing the ball. How do you think, when you look at the lineup, that Yelich and Kane's bat-to-ball skills, their ability to put the ball in play, takes this offense to another level and kind of maybe evens it out or makes it a more consistent offense moving forward. Yeah, well, that's the hope. And when that move happened, that one-two, uh, it was really surprising. And you sit there and you try to kind of figure it out because going into the offseason, I certainly didn't have them adding outfielders, much less two of the top guys that moved this winter. Um, then you kind of sit back and look at it in hindsight, and it does make sense. Number one, it makes your pitching staff better, and if you're not going to spend in that area, this is a way to improve the guys you have with two pretty good defenders. And then, as you say, the bat-to-ball. I think one of the most undercovered things is that they've set the major league record for strikeouts two years in a row, which is kind of remarkable and uh, not very good. And this is a way adding these guys of – addressing that a little bit you also hope that the young guys that you've given a lot of at bats to over the last couple of years and have compiled a lot of those strikeouts get better at strike zone recognition and bat to ball and the things that you need to do to not strike out all the time so i think the combination of adding those two players who put the ball in play a lot and then hoping for development from the domingo santanas of the world um adds up to a better offense so look i mean no one's going to pick them to win the division, I don't think. Uh, some are going to pick them as a wildcard contender. And if they are a wildcard contender, it's, it looks like it's going to be a team not driven by a great offense or a great pitching staff or a lights-out bullpen, but some sort of like pretty good across-the-board type of performance. That, At least on paper, that looks like what this team is shaping up to be. Yeah, I think you brought up a good point, too, about – how much better defensively it, it makes them and how that can help the pitching a little bit with having Lorenzo Cain, who's one of the elite center fielders in the game defensively, and Christian Yelich, who's won a gold glove as well. Okay, I'm not going to hold you to this. Nobody will. Here's the disclaimer. You can't hold Adam to this because everything's changing at this juncture in camp uh, on an hourly basis practically. But let's go through some names. I, w- I just want to get your, your thoughts in or out, essentially, with the roster. Wade Miley. In. Uh, let's go with J.J. Hoover. I have him in. I had to do this, and it's it's a li- it's a little tricky. He's a non-roster guy, but he's been really, really good in camp. 
And he's been weird because he was a big strikeout guy last year, and now he's like a ground ball guy and a quick out guy. So, and he's facing middle, you know, he's facing a lot of minor league guys in the middle of games, which is, I mean, that's can't knock him for that because that's who he's facing. But I, I have him in. Let's go with Giovanni Gallardo. I have him in, and again, in the interest of depth, yeah. um, I think you just you keep him. Uh, he has been dogged in this pitch at the top of the strike zone with your fastball and then come back with the curveball. It's hurt him sometimes with walks, and his numbers aren't very pretty. But I give him credit for you know, committing to this, mm-hmm. and I think they give him a look. Which would mean you probably think Taylor Williams starts in the minor leagues, right? Yeah, and again, that's options, um, great arm. He will help them this year, no doubt. But if I'm David Stearns and Craig Council, I'd like him to log those back-to-backs that he needs to do to show he can handle the workload in the minor leagues because last year it was like pitching every fourth day, and he thrived in it. I mean, credit to him for the long road back. But I think he has a little bit of a little project yet to complete and he could do it in the minor leagues and let them preserve some depth. I think we both believe Aguilar's on opening day roster and then kind of see what happens after that. Or at least that's kind of where I think it yeah. probably, with a, with a four-man rotation first time through, it kind of allows them to, to put him on that opening day roster. Yeah, I think you have to do it with a four-man rotation first time through, and maybe it only buys you a week and then you have to make a tough call. But that's how I see them doing it. I just have a hard time after how productive he was and how good he was in the stuff that does not show up on the stat sheet, I just have such a hard time believing they let him go here at the end of camp. That would be a really tough cut. All right, Adam, we appreciate it getting closer to opening day. Yeah, here we go. Um, I can't. I mean, it's amazing that the offseason's over already. It was such a quiet offseason, and yet it still blew by. Yeah. So I think it's going to be, if anything, it's going to be a really interesting, fun year. I mean... Sandlot video is like a little sign of what kind of club they have. They they have uh that's not make believe, that's not marketing. That's the the clubhouse is a pretty fun place and I know you're going to too, but I'm going to try my best to sort of capture that as best I can this year. Tweet this. Let's check in on social media. Well, the Brewers made waves in the social media world at the beginning of the week with the release of their own take on the classic baseball movie The Sandlot. And the crew commemorated the 25th anniversary of the hit movie that features kids playing together at their local sandlot and trying to outmaneuver the beast, which is, of course, a, a large dog on the other side of the left field fence or wall. National writers' websites, Twitter accounts all weighed in on the crew's remake, and it was unanimous that the Brewers had set the bar extremely high with their execution of the scene when Scotty Smalls, played by, of course, Brett Phillips, discovered the existence of the beast, which is... In the ultimate reveal, at the end of the scene, revealed as Hank the Dog. Stephen Vogt played the part of Porter with precision. Christian Yelich looked the part of Benny the Jet Rodriguez. My personal favorite casting was Jeremy Jeffress as Kenny DeNunez. J.J. had that laugh down perfect. The windup was plagiarized with perfection. And he even wore a Milwaukee Bears cap, which I loved. I thought that was a great tip of the cap, no pun intended to DeNunez wearing a Casey Monarchs cap in the actual movie. Major credit to director of new media Caitlin Moyer and Aaron Oberly for their work in helping put this really fun moment together for the Brewers. All right, let's jump into the guy that played Squints, who also was made and born to play the role of Squints in the Sandlot remake by the Brewers. That's Eric Sogard. 
consider myself a platoon player right now. I'm still early in my career. I feel like I'm an everyday player. And uh, in 2015, when I got the opportunity to hit against lefties, I did a pretty but good it's job. It's different for everyone. Um, I think every every hitter has their own plan. But whatever your strong suit is, that should be your plan. Uh, but once I got up, I, it was a little bit of a mentality. It was. Uh, it wasn't pitching to my strengths. It was trying to pitch to the hitter's weaknesses, and that's where guys get caught up in uh, trying to do too much. Now for the clubhouse conversation. Eric Sogard, our guest here on Brewers on Tap. Uh, Eric, uh, what's it like this year being back in camp? Last year you're competing for a job. This year you kind of know you have a spot on the team. How different is it? Yeah, it's different. I mean, last year coming off missing a full year, knee surgery, and just getting into camp, um, you know, not really knowing what to expect out of my knee and just kind of how to see that would respond. And, you know, it was a fun camp last year and got to start out in AAA, which was actually probably the best thing for me to get that month to play every day and, and really test my body and, and just get back in the swing of playing. And, you know, it's, it's great to be back here this year with these guys, great group of guys, and, um, you know, continue off where we left uh, last year and continue to build on that and, you know, look for great things going this, this uh, coming year. It had been a long time for you played since you'd played baseball before last season, and you just talked about going to AAA, getting to play every day, getting regular at-bats, and, and Craig Council said the same thing earlier this spring, that he thought that was probably the best thing that could have happened for you in retrospect, even though that's not maybe what you wanted coming out of camp. How did you grow as an offensive player even when you weren't playing? Did you feel like you were a more mature player at the plate when you came back? Because last year's probably your best offensive season you've put together. Yeah, I think so. And I think, um, you know, just having that surgery and being my back back leg hitting, being able to stay on my backside more and stay behind the ball really helped me a lot and was something I was missing um, previous years in my career. So. You know, I think that along with obviously the maturity in this game, the more you play, the more you get used to it, the more you understand what's going on. And um, to be able to to do that at the plate, and I love seeing pitches up there, um, you know, being a little pest for the pitcher and getting on base any way I can. So, it was, you know, I had a great time last year, great fit and good bounce back season. You're a guy that doesn't strike out a lot. You put the ball in play consistently. And, and, you, and you take walks, and now a, a guy like Christian Yelich comes over that kind of does some of the same things. Um, Lorenzo Cain puts the ball in play a lot. Do, do you think that's a good step for this offense? Are you going to have more guys that are going to put the ball in play a little bit more? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think when you put the ball in play, you have a chance. Um, you know, you want to cut down as many strikeouts as you can as a team. And, you know, when you get guys having good at-bats like that, Raising pitch counts, you're going to get that starter out of there earlier, and you know, obviously putting them play. You never know what can happen, so those are huge pickups for us. This is a clubhouse that's really close. There's a lot of chemistry. There was so much made about that last year. Coming back this year, adding some new pieces, has it taken even a, a greater step again? Yeah, I mean, these guys have fit in right away, so it's been it's been great, and uh, you know, we truly do have a great group of guys you know great team chemistry we love going to battle every day together and you know I think it's gonna be a fun team to watch what's it like being with Murph uh, somebody you've been with for so much of your baseball career oh it's fantastic I mean he taught me so much at the collegiate level and to be back with him um, I know I'm sure it's neat for him to see um, how far I've come from from those days but you know he continues to teach me continues to you know you know have my back when I need it and, and uh, give me a little kick when I need it too, so I love it. All right, everybody knows 
about your daughter Sadie. She was viral last year after the San Diego game when you hit the home run of the 10th and then Hunter Renfro unfortunately walked the Brewers off in the bottom of the 10th and everybody was talking about Sadie after that one. Again this spring, she's saying you're my best friend. It kind of goes viral again. Um, she's becoming like an internet star. It's kind of fun. Is it, is it crazy to you sometimes? It's crazy. I mean, I get to see it daily. So you just think about the times where the camera's not on her. I mean, that's just her. She's just the happiest little girl I know, and I'm, I'm a lucky dad to be able to come home to her every night. You have another a little guy, Nick's, and, you know, he's probably not at the point yet where he can be jealous of her, but is he going to try to one-up her as he gets older, seeing some of the stuff that Big Sister's done? You know, I think his goal is just to get on the field. He, he loves playing, um, so anytime we get, get the balls in the backyard, he, he just wants to get after it. So, you know, she's a great example for him, though, absolutely. You, were, you and a bunch of guys put together a, a skit uh, on the Sandlot uh, that was released this week. What was that like? Was that fun for you guys to put that together? <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. Uh, Most people probably know who you were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mine was a, a no-doubter there. Obviously, acting skills, it took us a little little challenge to get it done, but you know, we're excited to see it and see how it turned out for sure. So guard was squints in case anybody was wondering. Hey, we appreciate it. Thanks, man. Yep, thanks for having me. Checking in on the farm. As we very quickly go down on the farm this week, Brewers minor league games opened up last week. Names like Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, Jacob Nottingham, and others have been getting in on the action since getting sent across the parking lot from big league camp here at Maryvale. More and more assignments for the Brewers prospects should start to get revealed in the next week or so in terms of where prospects are going to be getting sent to start their 2018 seasons. We do know that second baseman Keston Hira, who earlier this week got sent back down to minor league camp after having a really impressive showing with the Brewers in big league camp all spring. He is going to begin the year in Carolina with the Mudcats in high A. Here's what's on tap. Well, the Brewers have big things planned for this year, so now's a great time for you to go all in and join the crew with a 20-game membership. Here's what this entails. 20-game plan. You lock in your seats for the season's biggest matchups. You're also going to enjoy the exclusive benefits and rewards that are given to Brewers season seat holders. Here's some of those perks. 25% off concessions and merchandise, postseason ticket access, personal account rep, enrollment in the exclusive season seat holder rewards program, and, and there's a bunch of other things that you're going to get along with this as well. Uh, to get started on your 20-game membership, visit brewers.com slash season tickets. Don't forget about group sales. Uh, you get some group tickets, group ticket opportunities that you can get your hands on. Um, take a look at some of these. Group tickets on sale now. Packages available starting as low as $5 per ticket. And you could bring 25 or more to the game, potentially. You can also step up your group outing by customizing your tailgate, reserving an all-inclusive area, or booking a party suite. If you want to start planning your group tailgate, visit brewers.com slash groups. And, of course, it's opening week just around the corner. St. Louis Cardinals coming to town, opening day on Monday, April 2nd, the home opener, Monday, April 2nd. Of course, the crew's going to open with the Padres in San Diego at the end of March. Should be fun. We cannot wait to see out at the ballpark this year. It is upon us, folks. It doesn't get any better than that. That's going to be episode number 109 of Brewers on Tap. I'm Lane Grindle. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week on the eve of opening day. It's finally here, everybody.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.